It's good to be with you on the JP2 Morning Crew. It's Friday, January 26th, the Memorial of Saints Timothy and Titus. I'm Brandon Clark coming to you from the Morning Crew studio. Normally, I have my co-host Steve Splonskowski with me. Unfortunately, we're going solo this morning, so you're just stuck with me. Sorry to all our listeners. But we are going to have a great time. We have a wonderful guest, and we have a lot of things that we're going to dive into when it comes to sharing her conversion story. Before we welcome her, let's talk about the saints of the day. As I mentioned, it's the memorial of Saints Timothy and Titus. They were both bishops. The first reading for Mass today has two options, either 2 Timothy or from Titus. But I guess the question is, who were these men in general? So let me just read a quick snippet about who Timothy and Titus were. So these two great men were disciples and companions of St. Paul and stalwarts in the early church's missionary efforts. Well, that's really important as well, especially when we consider something like Catholic radio to be a missionary effort. They figure prominently in the letters of Paul, the pastoral epistles addressed to them, and in the Acts of the Apostles. St. Timothy accompanied St. Paul on his second missionary journey and was entrusted to aid the Thessalonians, Corinthians, and Ephesians. Now, St. Titus is addressed as St. Paul's true child after a common faith and was called to missionary work in Crete. In these saints, we see a willingness and a generousness to proclaim the gospel wherever they were called. The pastoral epistles addressed to them offer guidance for all those who minister in the church. So, saints Timothy and Titus, pray for us, especially in our missionary efforts here at JP2 Radio. May we always be willing and generous to proclaim the gospel whenever we are called to do so. Well, as I mentioned, I'm Brandon Clark coming to you from the Morning Crew Studio. And our guest today is just a, a phenomenal person. Her name is Maura Noonan, and she is a Southern Californian who's been on several local and national radio programs, sharing her incredible conversion story, which included an exorcism. And now she comes to us on JP2 Morning Crew to share her testimony which is featured in her book, Ransomed for Darkness. Good morning, Maura. How are you today? Good morning, Brendan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it is such a pleasure to have you. Before we get any further and dive into your story, do you mind opening us up in prayer? Let's say the prayer that St. Maximilian Colby, the saint of the media, liked to say. Remember almost in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And uh, if any of you have that image of Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal, where she's holding her hands like this with the rays coming out, that was the image that St. Maximilian Colby put on his uh, little newspaper. Aside from radio, he had, a, he had his own paper that went out. And uh, she said that the wherever Our Lady enters, she stamps out heresy and Gnosticism. And he would show the rays coming out of her hands, and he would put in Polish heresy, 
Gnosticism on both of coming out of her hands. So he was way ahead of our times and, and dominant in his time, but way ahead of our times, helping us with the current apostasy that we're all in. So the, the prayer is, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, almost gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we, do we come, to you do we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your mercy hear and answer our prayers. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The Memorari is one of my favorite prayers, Maura, so thank you so much. Well, Maura, you've been on quite the spiritual journey, and it actually begins in the Catholic faith. So you were raised a Catholic. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, um, I was raised Catholic, uh, really cultural Catholic, okay? Okay. So um, cultural Catholic means that it was an identity. You're Irish, therefore you're Catholic. You're French, therefore you're Catholic. So my mother was French, my father was Irish. So no matter how you look at it, we were culturally Catholic. And we were raised to go to church on Sunday, but um, not everybody went. My mother, for example, didn't want to go all the time. She said that God needed her to stay home and be, uh, you know, and, and get her private time because she had all these kids and she didn't have any privacy unless she had her time alone. So really, I didn't have a united front of faith by my parents where you all go together, you all pray together, you're all united. And the united front of faith, I would call it, was missing for sure. Hmm. So that, that cultural Catholicism really kind of meant, I think, that you probably didn't have a lot of roots. So when it came to college, uh, things really began to go in the opposite direction where you began an apprenticeship in the New Age practices and ideas. Why? Was it because there was a lack of roots? Were you seeking truth? What was it that uh, made you want to reach out to these other areas? Well, I, there, first of all, I wasn't catechized because there such poor quality catechesis. We didn't have that in the cultural Catholic world I was in. And then, um, you know, you're not going to get catechized tremendously, you know, on a Sunday, for example, you have to really have, um, you know, proper classes, good religious education teachers and all the rest. And you have to have the Baltimore catechism, which we had back then laid out and the Bible laid out. We didn't have anything to read or to look at. We, we didn't have Catholic publications, magazines, books, or anything like that. So I really had zero catechesis. And I was a reader. I like to read. So had there been, you know, some Catholic publications around, I probably would have read them, but they weren't in, in my living room. They weren't available. So when I got to college, I, you know, as a Catholic, we are, I say I was, and, and almost every Catholic I've ever met, that even as fallen away Catholic, we're still spiritually bent people. We were looking for, you know, we are souls in a body on a pilgrimage, and we're looking for some spirituality to fulfill our, our desires, our soul's needs to know God, to love him and to serve him. So I started looking for that, but I was looking for God in all the wrong places. So I was getting the wrong God. So I was yeah. then falling prey to idolatry versus who, and, and I didn't know that. I didn't know I was falling into to idolatry. I had no idea that if you break the first commandment, 
and you follow idolatry, then all the other ones fall apart too because you don't have any sense. There's no continuity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Instead, uh, in the culture, and especially the coin phrase in the New Age culture is me, myself, and I. So you're your own God. You're really just bettering yourself. So, you know, you would go to Barnes & Noble and all the books are, you know, help me, serve me, make me better and all of this. And all that kind of philosophy is all new age. You can be your own uh, self. You can make your own success. You can materialize your own whatever you want to materialize. It's all of this uh, thinking that's very um, relying on self, selfism. Okay. And so selfism as a young person with, you know, and the environment is kind of a scary world out there as you leave home and go away to college and all of that. So you're, you're, you know, you're building up the self and you think that the self is going to lead you to the right place. Well, no, it doesn't. Self, uh, was it Father Gabriel Morth? I think he's the one that said this, that selfism can lead to Satanism, which it did. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. So I know a lot about, just in my own experience and in my faith journey, uh, the people we surround ourselves with impacts a lot of whether we're going to be true to the faith, whether we're going to remain in the faith. Did you see that with not having those Catholic roots and then getting to college? I'm sure there were a lot of people in college who weren't practicing the faith, who are more into this new age approach. Was it easy to kind of like go with the flow of things once you got to college? Well, it is because when you go to, you know, the student center and all that, the flyers, posters, whatever, it was all for you know, yoga and uh, other kinds of gurus, like this is going to be your self-help guru or even ones from India, for example, these are, these are yoga masters. So there's a real push uh, for, um, for the, the whole Eastern religion. And I would say that was really a big push. Now I have spoken for focus at my alma mater in Colorado, the university I went to. And I asked the young people, I said, when I went to college here on campus, the big thing was Zen Buddhism and yoga. And we were all going towards Eastern meditation, you know, Eastern religion and all of that. What is the biggest problem today? You know, and this was before COVID that I was speaking at the campus. And they said the biggest problem today is uh, witchcraft, Satanism, and their parents who have fallen away from the faith following psychics and looking, looking for answers in other mediums, in mediums, basically. So it's way more occult than it was even when I was in college. They're serious. And these yeah. were, you know, and, and these were um, faith-filled kids that came to the students that came to the talk, you know? So it's quite, it's quite, um, quite serious. The culture is very serious what's going on, which is why, you know, uh, which was why we put the book together, Spiritual Deceptions in the Church and in the Culture, where the people are following each other right over the cliff into the lake of perdition. Because I didn't know, I had no clue that I was, you know, following these Eastern meditations and, you know, which led to me wanting to know more about Buddhism or Hinduism and all of that. But I didn't know that that was going to lead me into further occultism. Today, it's just blatant on the campus. You know, I never met anybody that was involved in that kind of thing. Um, you know, full-blown witchcraft and Satanism in college campus when I was there. But basically, the 
there. It's way more blatant today, way more serious today for the youth. And, um, you know, so the meditations I was doing and I was learning, which would be centered around some, some through yoga and some through Zen Buddhism, which isn't necessarily yoga at all. It could be Vipassana, which uh, Buddhism, which is really set today's centering prayer is based on Vipassana Buddha Buddhism. So it's still centering who you're centering on. You're centering on yourself. It's still all self selfism. So the, the, the reality is, is that, um, to, to me, they were just like another part, another religion in the world of religions, world religion. And I speak in Canada a lot, and the um, students up there in the high school there, even in Catholic high school, they're given uh, confirmation and they're given catechesis. But by 11th grade, they're given world religion class. And they're told, now you can pick what religion you want to follow. And, you know, and all, God, all roads lead to the same God just as long as they follow the golden rule. And they even have these mandalas in their school campuses. And the mandalas read, you know, what is, what does it say in Zoroasterism and Buddhism and Hinduism and Shintoism and, uh, and Christianity and this and that. And they have this whole mandala and, and in the middle it says, oh, but the golden rule, as long as you all follow the golden rule, you're all gonna get to the same God. So this is mm-hmm. such a deception. It's really quite, quite sad. Yeah. Yeah, and this was a world you lived in for you know, 25 years. You worked as a psychic counselor, a therapist, mm-hmm. continuing to dive deeper into those new age practices. However, in 1993, everything began to drastically change. Mm-hmm. What happened there? Why 1993? <laughs> well, probably people were praying for me. Um, and uh, so my father had died and my grandmother had died. They all died around the same time my aunt died. And they were all good Christian people. So they probably all got together and prayed for me on the other side, not knowing exactly how far gone I had gone on this side. You know, um, it's pretty, it's, you know, and I never really spoke to my father in detail how far I had gone. So I'm sure after they died, they can see, you know, wow, this, this girl's really pretty far gone. We better help her out. And I'm sure their prayers were really dramatic because we do believe in the, in the prayers of our, uh, you know, the saints, we're in the communion of saints. So obviously they're helping us out. So that was part of it. The other part of it was, um, I was literally at a program at a training in, uh, in Hawaii being trained as a neuro-linguistic practitioner, which is NLP, which is designed by several, uh, doctors, uh, from the university of California, Santa Cruz. Okay. And it was, taken off by someone named Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins, which a lot of people have heard of. He's a self, but people don't realize in that process of learning all that self-motivation, you're also learning many occult skills. Hmm. And I didn't even know that when I was getting trained and certified in this, in this practice. And at some point I was reading a magazine in the lobby of the hotel and in between the seminar, the classes we were taking, and uh, there was an article in there about Blessed Mother. Uh, they called her Mother Mary, <laughs> you know, and uh, and that's the only title I knew for her too, Mother Mary. But they called her a goddess, okay, because it was a New Age magazine. So I'm reading this, and I'm reading that they're calling her a goddess. And I'm like, no, that's not true. She's not a goddess. There's no way she's a goddess. I remember those nuns, Sacred Heart nuns from second grade. Listen, listen to this, and that would be like. You know, years and years ago, decades ago, and something inside my head clicked and they said, this is a lie. She's not a goddess. 
She was a real person. She lived on planet Earth. She walked mm. probably barefoot at some point. She was, um, you know, she had, she was uh, from Israel. She was, <laughs> she had baby Jesus. You know, I knew, I knew some basic things about her. So I knew that she couldn't possibly be like how they were making her out to be some Greek or Roman goddess. And I said, there's no way, this is a lie. So then my mind said, if this is a lie, what else is a lie? What else am I learning that's a lie? So it just kind of started unraveling this whole thing. And I left the hotel, I left the conference, and I went down to the beachfront in in Maui, in Hawaii. And I took a walk on the on the beach and I said, you know, Mother Mary, that's the only title I know for you right now, but I know you're not a goddess. I know you're real. And if you are coming to speak to us on this planet, planet Earth, in any way, shape, or form, I would like to meet you. <laughs> and that's what started it. So it's like Dorothy on the yellow brick road. Here, keep walking and you'll find another sign and another sign. So it would take three years <laughs> of, of trusting and walking and being with her. And one of the other things that was really helpful uh, was when I got back to California, there was a magazine. I don't know if anybody remembers it in the 1990s. And this magazine was Life Magazine. Believe it or not, that's why I tell when people are far gone, use anything you can to help evangelize them. So Life Magazine would be my next source of evangelization. First, it's a New Age magazine. And next is Life Magazine. So I have a secular magazine, which was in CBS. I know, is that great? And I'm over, I'm, you know, I'm at CBS trying to get some things. And sure enough, I'm at the checkout stand and there's Life Magazine. And it has a picture of Mary on the cover. And it says, do you believe in miracles? Oh, yeah, sure I do. And Mary's on the cover. So I'm like, are they going to call her a goddess in here? What kind of miracles are they talking about? So this whole magazine was tremendously helpful. It was so popular that Life Magazine put it out again around 2001 or two or three or something like that. So the whole issue all over wow. again. Yeah, because this was like one of their big sellout magazines. And they had articles from Akita, Japan, to, you know, Batania, Venezuela, to, you know, all the people that were healed in Lourdes, to uh, Fatima, to, you know, they had Medjugorje. And they had, they had a tremendous amount of, uh, the whole magazine was devoted to Mary. So I just, I studied that as though it was my catechism book. <laughs> you know, it was like my whole thing. That's all I had. And I said, now I really want to meet her. So this was really the journey. And so I say, don't be shy about giving people something, anything. You have no idea what's going to hit them and touch them. I mean, if Life Magazine can evangelize me in a parking lot at CVS, <laughs> then what else can we do for each other? You know, because we are so shy. Somehow Catholics are shy and we really need to be, we need to be more outgoing. <laughs> I mean, all things work to the Lord's good, right? So he can, right. he can use he can use whatever it is. He if you're just tuning in this morning, this is the JP2 Morning Crew on JP2 Catholic Radio. I'm Brandon Clark, your host in studio this morning, author Maura Noonan. And she wrote a book, which we'll talk more about in a moment, about her journey from the depths of the New Age movement and the occult to her redemption through, as we were just hearing about, her intercession with Our Lady and the saving power of the Catholic Church. I'm curious to know, too, Maura, part of your conversion story includes uh, an exorcism. And it's not something any of us listening have ever experienced outside of what we see in the movies or on TV. So can you just take a minute to describe what that experience was like? 
Okay. Well, first of all, I want to make it clear that, um, you know, probably the only movie that would be, um, you know, more or less uh, true to the Catholic church would be the exorcist itself, because that was consultant. The consultant for that was Father Gabriel Amora, the chief exorcist from, from Rome at the Vatican for 50 years. So he literally was the consultant on that. And um, so my book, my first book is called Ransomed from Darkness. I don't, uh, it's, it's in uh, now eight languages in seven countries. And it just came out in Spanish, Rescatada de la Escuridad. So, and, and I'm excited about that as well. And, uh, but in English, it's called Ransom from Darkness. And people can also get that through um, Amazon.com or Spirit Daily. Spirit Daily is a Catholic website. So uh, try to support the Catholics if you can, um, spiritdaily.com. And so that's also... Uh, wanted to share that with you um, because the story itself is like you said, most Catholics have never witnessed or heard or spoken to anybody that's been through an exorcism. So um, that's part of the reason that the book is popular and has evangelized so many people. And so it's even in Chinese in China, for example, in Hong Kong. So, and it's popular. So uh, Italian, French, you know, Polish and so forth. So the point is, is that, people can relate to it. They can relate to the story. They can relate to being delivered. They can relate to wanting to get out of this or helping, helping a friend or someone get out of it too. How do you do that? Well, the book sort of helps. They, they learn how I did it and then it helps other people get out. But for me, um, I didn't know I needed one. <laughs> so I really didn't know I needed one. And so I was in Europe on pilgrimage at, at Marion, going up to all the Marion sites there and an apparition and uh, the uh, different places where she has appeared. And um, by God's grace, I ended up in a, a confessional with a priest who was um, set, he's in Medjugorje and he was in the Holy Land for 25 years, a Franciscan friar who was an exorcist in the Holy Land. And under Pope John Paul II, he was assigned in Medjugorje to catch people like me and to catch all these, you know, different people there that needed help. So I went into confession on one hot summer day and um, he said to me, you need more than confession. You need to be really completely delivered from all of these, you know, from the residue of whatever you've done. And I said, I didn't know I needed that. He said, yes, you do, but you have to be willing. I can't do anything to deliver you unless you're willing. So because if we took our free will to let the spirits affect us, then it would take our free will to want them to be removed. So he wanted to make sure I was on board with my free will united to his uh, gift of the Holy Spirit. Because really, it's just another gift of the Holy Spirit to be cleansed to be healed, to be delivered. So um, the amazing thing is that he was such a tremendously gifted Franciscan priest, like kind of like Padre Pio or something. He knew everything I'd ever done. Because when you're in that state, you can't remember everything you did for 25 years. It'd be too much. And so he knew everything I did in college, after college, and, you know, um, he knew three decades of everything I did. He had what's called mm -hmm. word of knowledge. 
So he said, you need to renounce this, this teacher that taught you that, this guru you sat under and learned this type of, you know, there is yoga called psychic yoga. It's called Kriya yoga. And it's a very, very serious form of yoga. And people don't realize that yoga is not just an exercise at all. It never, never was meant to be one in the first place. So there's like 40 different kinds of yoga or even more, but some of it, uh, Kriya yoga would be third eye yoga. That'd be psychic yoga. So that was like the biggest and hardest thing to remove. And he had to close that for me so that I could no longer see anything because um, once you open that up, it's like the, it's like the great lie. Okay. So Eve was told by the serpent, if you eat that apple, then you will be like God and you will see too. You will see all, you know, you will be, you'll be all seen. And that's the biggest lie that they tell people that are getting trained in that, in, in a psychic world. You will be, you will be having all this knowledge and you will have all this ability to see, hear, smell, whatever happened. And so the reality of that is the people, I mean, the, the person himself is not able to do that. Right. We're not. Only the, only a fallen angel, which is also a demon is able to give that person the information. So when you, these kids are like watching all FBI psychics on TV or people are watching that, that's the big question they always have. They always get when I'm talking to, especially youth, if what you're saying is true, then why is it that the police or the FBI use psychics to find missing bodies? Well, they can find them with psychics because who's telling them the information, a fallen angel, a demon's telling them the information. Of course they can find it. The problem is, is our culture isn't aware that this is also demonizing the police department and everybody else that are getting involved in all this. They don't, I mean, maybe not the department, but the people asking the psychic to help them because they're never, ever getting it on their own. They're getting it through an outside source, which would be a fallen angel or a demon. So this is all very clear in my book, Spiritual Deceptions, and I'm clearly being delivered by it in, in, in uh, Ransom from Darkness. And this fantastic... Uh, Friar, who was, uh, you know, a uh, senior himself and been doing this forever, he knew exactly what to do and how, what to ask me and how to clean it up. It was just incredible. So it would take a long time. But when I left, I think like eight hours or something, when I left, <laughs> I felt like a brand new baby. I was like, I thought my, yeah, you know, like, I don't know, you probably haven't done childbirth, but I have. And when your baby comes out, it's all brand new skin and brand new pink and just beautiful. And you're like, oh, that, I felt like I was a brand new baby. <laughs> mm. I wonder if people see what I see about me. <laughs> and it's, it's like everything was different. Everything was different. I, you are completely uh, a new creature in Christ. You are wow. his, his you, you know that you've been ransomed from darkness and you know that, that he, he paid the price. He is, you know, he is your savior. He is my savior. And these are all things that happened for me. Not, not right away, right away. I just felt like a brand new baby walking around like, Oh yeah. But after a while I realized my life is not my own. And the lie was that it ever had been my own. He ransomed us. He paid the price. Our lives are not our own. So then I apologize. We have about 30 seconds left here. Um, so you obviously you have an international ministry now seeking to expose the influences and dangers of the new age. Uh, you've written a couple of books. What final thoughts would you like to share with our listeners, including where they can find your books? 
Yeah, they can find them. Okay, so I, I'm just going to hold up two right now, but uh, they can find the testimony, which is conversion, um, deliverance testimony, and spiritual deceptions, which is um, a, like a compendium of all the different things that people are falling prey to. And um, they can find them through, um, like I said, Spirit Daily is a good website to get them. It's a Catholic website. Um, and they can also get them through Amazon.com. They can also get them at Catholic stores if they find them there. They can also get them through, if you don't want to go on the internet to buy, which I don't blame you, uh, you can call 1-800-663-MARY, M-A-R-Y, 1-800-663-MARY. And you can just talk to somebody directly and they'll send them to you and you send them a check or take your credit card over the phone. So it's just as easy as that. And we want to make it easy for people and, and whatever language we have them in uh, languages in seven countries now. And so what I want to say is do something. Don't let people continue being deceived, being misled, being misguided. Um, we are, our, our Bible tells us, our baptismal vows tell us that we are responsible. So you know, we really need to say something, do something, be something for someone, give them, uh, give them, you know, what I say to people is get the book, Ransom from Darkness, get it blessed and leave it in their car, in their house. Just leave it. We've had many conversions of people that have just picked it up, including one young man in Canada. He just picked it up in the living room when his grandmother left the book there one day. And he just picked it up and he read it. And when he came back to college... Maura, I got to cut you off here. We, we do have to come to an end, but thank you so much for sharing your incredible testimony with us. I'm sure it's inspired and encouraged many of our listeners. To our listeners, if you did miss any of it, please check out the podcast on the website, jp2radio.com. We return next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific. Up next, it's Life is Worth Living with Archbishop Fulton Sheen. We'll see you again next week. God bless.